We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode number 38 of Lion Legacy. Jared, so I forgot to ask you, I know a couple weeks back, you took a trip. Now, I know we talk a lot of Penn State football on our podcast here, and rightfully so. We're very proud of our university and its football team. But we also appreciate, as sports fans, rivalries and tradition in other college sports and universities. You were at a basketball game a few weeks ago. Quite possibly one of the best rivalries in college basketball, and you intended in person. And for the listeners out there, I'm speaking about UNC and Duke. And you were in Chapel Hill earlier in February. And I actually forgot to ask you about it. So I'm hearing about this now for the first time. So tell us, how was your trip? Yeah, before I actually go into the trip itself, I worked with a guy, BJ, at my former company. And he's a UNC grad. Okay. And I remember I'd go into his office and I'd say, I got to get to this game. This is a, a, this is an, a bucket list for me. I got to yeah. go. He's like... We'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And I'm like thinking to myself, oh, yeah, of course, right? He's what, what else is he going to say? And around Thanksgiving this year or this past year, he sends me a text and he goes, what are you doing February 5th? And I go, I immediately knew. I didn't even have to check. <laughs> I just go, I'm in. Let me know how much the tickets are. Thinking that this is also going to be pretty pricey, right? Because this is also Coach K's last trip to the Dean Dome at UNC. Sure. So I ended up working out. We did a little barter deal. So he says, don't worry, I got got it taken care of. And BJ says, but I want to go to a Penn State football whiteout. So I owe owe BJ. Not just the game. Not just the game. He wants to go to the whiteout. He he wants to go to the whiteout. So I was like, all right, we got a deal, my friend. You get yourself up to uh, State College, and I'll show you the best Penn State or I should say collegiate football experience mm-hmm. in the nation, hands down. But it was great. One one great just to to be with BJ and, and his family. I haven't seen him in a number of years. And great to also go to the game. It's, as I mentioned, epic rivalry, right? Let Coach K's last game. Great atmosphere. Unfortunately, the game was not all that great. They got blown out, they being UNC, by about 20 points. But... Once again, check off the box. Chapel Hill, cool college town, nice campus, but definitely a place that you'd be like, oh, yeah, if I didn't go to Penn State, I could see myself going here. But it was just a, a fun time. Yeah, love, love me some college sports, and hopefully one, one of these days, Penn State basketball will, will be an epic rivalry of, of some sorts to win the Big Ten or win an NCAA championship, right? There you go. You got to, it doesn't happen overnight. Coach Shrewsbury will keep working it up, get some good recruits, build up the program. There you go. That's the hope. And, uh, you know, speaking of traveling, yes, we had a guest that is quite an avid traveler and quite impressive. He's been a few places. Just a few. Just a few. We spoke with Mike McHugh. Awesome story. 
again, you know, I don't like to give away too much here in the intro, but Mike is an is a world traveler. Mike has a a condition that he was born with that makes it a little easier or a little or more difficult, I should say, to get around. But that doesn't let him let anything stop him. He's been around the world. He tells us about how he travels, where he travels, favorite places. We get into all that. He's got a day job too. He tells us about all of that, and he's super involved with with Penn State as well. So it's a really fun story, very uplifting story. We give Mike a lot of kudos for um, his positive mentality and just, like I said before, not letting anything stop him. So Jared, with that, pack your bags, get your tickets ready. We're going to go fly away with Mike McHugh. All right. Let's welcome Mike McHugh, a 2012 graduate with a degree in finance Mike was born with a condition called arthrogryposis that has him walking around in crutches. But you will learn that the condition has never stopped Mike. He's a world traveler visiting every continent with the exception of Antarctica, and he shares his experiences on GimpyGlobetrotter.com and Instagram at GimpyGlobetrotter. So great to have you with us today, Mike. Thank you so much for the invitation. Mike, great to have you on. I have to be honest, I've never heard of arthrogryposis and would venture to say that most of our listeners aren't familiar with the condition either. So tell us a little bit more about it. Sure. It's a disease that affects about one out of every 3,000 people. It's diagnosed at birth. And basically what it is, it affects the joints and the tendons. So I'm really lucky. Mine's very mild, but basically mine's in my legs and it my tendons are shriveled, so I'm unable to gain any muscle mass below my knees. So hence the need to use crutches to walk. Did you ever consider like a wheelchair at any point or were you always on crutches? Yeah, so I actually started with a walker. Okay. Um, for about 15 years of my life, I used the walker and then my doctor always tried to get me to go to crush his hurricane. And then one weekend I decided that I wasn't going to use a walker for the rest of my life. And I saw people that were hopping instead of walking with a cane or crunches. And I tried that and I was so much faster than I had ever been before, either on a walker or with uh, like a cane or crunches that I instantly just got very attracted to it and it's now my primary mode of transportation wow so you hop around most of the time yes wow okay as i mentioned in the intro you've been documenting your travels on your blog and as well as on instagram where did the passion for for traveling come about and was there a specific reason why you actually wanted to document this for the public yeah so i studied abroad my junior year in rome and that's really when, as they say, the travel bug bit me. So I knew I wanted to travel when I was studying abroad, but I wound up going to 30 cities and 10 different countries over the four months I was there. And when I got home, I knew that travel was something that I was always going to want to do. It was going to become a part of my life. And actually, when I was studying abroad, I did a travel blog for the education abroad department at Penn State, just because they wanted some students to volunteer and tell their story along the way. 
and I really enjoyed it. So I figured I would continue it after I graduated. And I went to Europe for about six weeks right after I graduated and I blogged along the way. And then it turned into like a formal Olympic Globetrotter blog. And really the goal was to inspire people, both able-bodied and disabled to travel and see the world. Like there's just so many beautiful landscapes, so many amazing sites, but also like the thing that I enjoy most about travel is meeting incredible people, whether they're fellow travelers or, or whether they're people that are just locals in the place you visit. Like the world is such an incredible place. I can't agree with any more. I, I think one of the things also that I've noticed in the, the brief time that we're speaking with you, it doesn't seem like anything will like hold you back. You've got this condition, but like you have the mentality, like I'm good. There's nothing that's going to stop me. Was there a point in your life that things maybe changed and you had that mindset? Or do you remember that from like as early as you can remember? Yeah. So when I was born, my doctors told my parents, I'll, I'll never play football, but that's about the extent of my limitations. So really don't hold me back. So at the time we knew nothing about Penn state. So the fact that I wasn't going to play football wasn't the end of the world, but my, my parents really just kept pushing me and didn't let me take no for an answer. And that just translated into me pushing myself. So when I was about nine years old, I went, I started to learn how to ski and eventually I wound up becoming a race team member at, at an adaptive program. Then after college, I was actually able to become, become a volunteer ski instructor for people with disabilities. So that really was the, if I can do this, I can do anything moment for me. And it's something that I've realized over the course of my life. And it's just been reinforced over and over again. That's amazing. And credit to your parents as well, because I imagine there are some parents that become so protective at some point and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I can't have my child do this. And it sounds like they took the opposite approach and were like, no, you're going to do it. You'll find a way and, and you'll be successful at doing it. Yeah. So they, they were always very supportive of pushing me, but they also found the right balance of making sure I had everything I needed. So like in school, I, I always had, or for early on in my school, I had an aide that would help, help like not so much protect me in the hallways, but as you can imagine, and as you've experienced, I'm sure hallways can be quite tight, especially when you're using a walker. And at that time I was moving very slow. So she would always kind of help make sure I got to class safely. But once I was in the classroom, they held me to the standard that, that they would have held anybody else, which was very important for not just me and for my parents, but for the, for, for my growth as well. Mike, we're going to get into some more details of your travels. So first, who, who do you like to travel with? Are you going by yourself? Are you going with family and friends? All the above? What's, uh, what's the situation like? Yeah, so it's actually a mix. So when, when I go on my longer trips, I tend to go solo, but what I do is I join a travel group for 18 to 35 year olds. And the way that operates is that it is 
they plan every single activity and more importantly, they plan your transportation from city to city. So if I were to do it by myself, I would spend days traveling. Whereas since I have it all planned out, it really allows me to maximize my time wherever I am. And that enables me to go and really see a lot in a very short period of time because I have a full-time job. I can't take off a long time to travel every single trip I want to go on. And so that's my international trips. And then more of my domestic ones I do with my friends and family. And you know, if we're talking about travel, this question is going to come up and you probably get it quite a bit. Is there a favorite place you visited over your many trips? Yeah, I studied abroad in Rome, but I feel like it's cheating if I answer that one. <laughs> so, so let's put Rome aside and state college. I don't think counts either because that's like my second home. But I somehow managed to take 26 days while I was still working and go to Southeast Asia. So that will always have a special place in my heart. I visited like Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. And those countries were just so beautiful and rich of history. But again, it was the people that made that trip so memorable to me. They, the locals were just so proud of their culture and they didn't have much, but they were so appreciative of what they had. And I really just enjoyed having those one-on-one -on -one conversations or group conversations with locals. And it really made me even more passionate about traveling than, than I was before I went over there. Did you just say you, you took 26 days off? Yes. It took some some finagling with my vacation <laughs> days, and I planned it like a year in advance. But it was 17 business days and 26 days total. So my 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 coworkers to this day still make fun of me, and I'm for, for taking the 17 business days off because that's what I keep emphasizing for them. <laughs> that's great. It was like truly, I'll see you next month. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually forgot my work password when I got back. <laughs> cool. Get it, get the uh, help desk on, on speed dial, right? Exactly. Hey, and Mike, I understand that you hiked Machu Picchu, which I imagine is pretty amazing, but certainly not a walk in the park, so to speak. So tell us, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I knew the altitude was going to make it a bit difficult, but... I underestimated the altitude as everyone did that was there because Machu Picchu is about 8,000 feet above sea level. So even going on something like a normal hike in, in, in the States, like on the East Coast, which would be relatively challenging but not impossible, it was exacerbated by the fact that I was 8,000 feet high. So I didn't hike the actual Inca Trail but what I did was there's this view of Machu Picchu that the people at Heichma Inca Trail see Machu Picchu for the first time. It's called the Sun Gate. And I knew that I wanted to see Machu Picchu from that Sun Gate. So that, that required quite a bit of a hike from the actual Machu Picchu site to, to the gate. So I started hiking when I got there and a few employees of Machu Picchu told me I couldn't do it. 
I should stop. It was too hard. I should turn around. But for anyone that knows me, when you tell me I can't do something, it makes me want to do it even more. I'm stubborn like that. <laughs> so I persisted. I went to the top. Yeah, it was challenging. But when I turned around and I saw that view, it was totally worth it. They did not know who they were talking to. Yeah, that is that is for sure right there. I'm curious, right? You have plans to to visit Antarctica. That's actually the only continent that I have on my list as well that I haven't visited. But I think you're going to get there before before I am because I understand you, you had plans to go visit, right? Yeah, so I was supposed to go two years ago, literally the week COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And the trip since then has been canceled another three times. So I'm going to wind up going, hopefully... Barring any new variants, I'm going to hopefully go next year in February. Fantastic. That's not, a, that's not an easy place to get to, nor inexpensive. Yeah, but it's one of those things. It's a trip of a lifetime. That's a trip that both my dad and my younger brother are going to join me on. So it'll be a great family trip, a guy's trip. But there you go. Uh, it will be great to have them with me when I check the box of being to all seven continents. Should we, should we tell your coworkers about another 17 days off for that one? Sure. <laughs> why not? <laughs> what, so what else is on the list? Like top places you want to visit? Yeah. So I really want to get to India soon. I've mm. heard it's just such a beautiful country with so many sites. Again, I've heard the people are amazing. I have a friend that moved to Singapore and I haven't visited him. So I feel like I, I, I have to hop on a plane and go there. And then I also really want to check out uh, Israel and Jordan. There you go. That's one place I've been that you haven't been. I've been to Israel <laughs> several times. You'll it love nice? it. Oh, it's awesome. It's the whole country is the size of New Jersey. It's fairly easy to make it around and see most of it in a week or so. His, rich in history, people are wonderful, good food, everything that you're probably looking for on your trips, I'm sure you'll find there as well. I'll, I'll be reaching out for, for some tips once there I you go. It. Mike, so the, the going back to the name of your, your blog, your Gimpy Globetrotter, certainly a unique choice for the name of it. But I guess the first thing that came to mind was Gimpy is, could be defined as being de demeaning. What's your reason for using that word specifically? Yes. So the reason it is demeaning is exactly why I chose to use it. Like the word gimp has such a negative stigma yep. and it's always or frequently used to describe people that can't, but so people might call me a gimp and I'm disabled, but I try to prove that I can and that I can't be stopped. So I really wanted to challenge that stigma and I hope that through my blog, using that in the title, I'm successful at making people question what that word actually means. So you alluded to it with, with the Machu Picchu story, but I'm sure you encounter others along the way that are not as compassionate and understanding and that, hey, you're just trying to make it around like anybody else. How do you handle those situations? Yeah, so I'd say like 99% of the time, people are, as you said, compassionate and understanding. Yep. But that 1% of the time, it it inspires me to keep traveling and pushing my limits. It makes me appreciate everything that we have in America with the Americans, Americans with Disabilities Act, really making it as accessible as possible for everybody. 
but I hope that by me showing them that I'm out there traveling, it makes them realize that they might be holding other people with disabilities back. So I put that chip on my shoulder and, and I try to prove them wrong and make sure they, they reconsider what they think people with disabilities can and can't do. Yeah. Was it tough growing up as a, like a kid in some ways, like people, young kids are sometimes really mean, right? To others. Did you like, did you experience that growing up and how were you able to handle that when you're seven, eight years old? Yeah. So surprisingly, I wasn't really bullied that much. I think it probably was because as I said earlier, I had that older woman following me around when I was in the walker. So I was sheltered in that sense. But I I think I handled bullying like any other kid. I would go home when I was super young. I would go cry to my mommy and then, and then eventually I learned how to deal with it. And it, it, it just prepares you for life. It makes you stronger and it makes you realize that people really can't hurt you with their words and you can just go about your day and your life. Yeah. Wow. That's, it's a, it's a great mentality you have. And Speaking of the mentality, we're going to get to a question. We actually have a, a great partnership with the Daily Collegian, and every episode we collect questions from students and pick one. And this week's question comes from senior Remy Mitnick. And Remy says, you're such an inspiration to so many. Beyond the blog, do you talk or mentor others in similar situations? Yeah, when I was at the Adaptive Sports Foundation as a volunteer ski instructor. I used to get paired with some younger kids with disabilities, and some of them actually had the same exact one I had. So it was really cool and exciting to have them paired with me, take them on the mountain, and show them that that, that they could also accomplish anything that they set their mind to. And also, I think it by having conversations with their parents, any concerns that they might have had were somewhat alleviated. So in some ways I was mentoring the students on the ski slope and the parents like in, in the lodge. And it's really amazing to see what some of these old, some of these older students that I had and I'm doing today, they're successful and in college and having the full college experience. Mike, we touched upon it earlier. Well, you actually do have a day job and kudos to you for maximizing all of your free time and your vacation time to to get on the road and travel. So you work for JP Morgan Chase. Tell us about your day job and and what you're doing there. Yeah. So I'm based in New York City for JP Morgan and I work in their global real estate department. What I'm doing right now is JP Morgan's building a new corporate headquarters in, in Midtown Manhattan. And I'm collaborating with all the architects and some of like the subject matter experts, both internal to JP Morgan and some like external consultants to make sure that everything on the inside of the building, so the office floors, the trading floors, conferencing, cafeteria, everything inside meets and we try to exceed what all the people and all the employees that are going to be moving into the building need went on to perform my daily jobs. But I'm also leading the accessibility work stream for the building, which is really exciting because I have that personal experience. So JP Morgan is constantly rated a top place to work for people with disabilities. 
So it's only fit that we have a headquarters building that really sets the bar as a accessible and inclusive building that, that welcomes everybody. That's, That's excellent. And, and, and hey, and, and also I, I like their optimism, right? That they're going forward with this project. Are we going to say that, Jared? I was just going to, I was yeah. going to say that as well. This is the I first mean, you time hear I hear how, anyone. What, right. Numerous companies saying, forget it. They're going the opposite direction with real estate. They're saying, give it all up. Let everybody be virtual. And meanwhile, with JP Morgan's going, they're the other end of the spectrum saying, we're building a whole new facility because, and we want to get people back. And I hope that we can get back to a world when people can be back in an office in some hybrid fashion and all that. When yeah. is that opening up? In a few years. So still quite a bit to go. Okay. And are you working remotely today or are you working at a different, different headquarters? No, I'm working in a building right next door to the headquarters building. So, okay. Oh, fantastic. I can see the building as it goes up. So it's pretty exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. So we're going to actually transition a little bit. We're going to put you in the Lions Den brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride, which I'm sure you're very familiar with Lions Pride and reminisce about your time at Penn State. And just remember, when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. Mike, we, we've really enjoyed hearing about all of your travels and your approach and everything. How has Penn State prepared you for your career, I guess your day job, and also taking on some of these other endeavors that you've uh, embarked upon? So Penn State changed my life, period. But I, I would say by changing my life, it also really prepared me for life after college. One of the things that they said when I was on my tour to check out Penn State was one out of every like 250 college graduates is a Penn Stater. And that really didn't mean much at the time, but in hindsight, it means so much more than I would have thought because everyone in a meeting or a group tends to know at least one Penn Stater, whether it's themselves, a significant other, family member, like a friend. And we all have the same kind of craziness about us and passion about Penn State. So it's almost like an instant icebreaker and it makes any kind of introduction go very easy. But I would say that on top of that, like Penn State fostered a sense of organization and leadership that I didn't really have before college. And I think both of those things are key in the success of my career and then obviously my time studying abroad made me realize my passion for travel so i i, I wouldn't say that combined with my i minored i minored in italian so to be able to speak another language in a somewhat conversational manner was also very helpful with my travels and you mentioned leadership there. You had, I, I believe, a leadership role at Penn State with Adaptive Outreach. Uh, quite honestly, I'm not too familiar with that organization, so would would love to hear more. Yes, so it's an organization that actually my friends and I started. Uh, so when I first got to Penn State, I joined a program called Ability Athletics, which was more of the like the athletics department's disabled sports program but it wasn't as social. So something that we wanted to do was to have more of a social kind of club aspect 
to disabled sports and just people with disabilities in general. So we would try things like playing wheelchair rugby. We went on a ski trip. We also were able to invite speakers with disabilities to campus. And it was really the goal to foster some kind of a connection between people with disabilities and able-bodied people that were looking to learn more about people with disabilities and just how we get around, what we do. So it, it was really successful in that aspect. As Jared likes to say, toughest question of them all. What was your favorite Penn State memory? There's so many, but I, I would have to say my senior year of college, I was a Thon captain, or I think it's a director now, Thon finance director. And it was the first time we hit $10 million. Awesome. And nobody was expecting it. So it was like very shocking. And I swear the BJC was louder than I've ever heard Beaver Stadium when that 10 went up. And it still gives me goosebumps to this day. So I, I try to go back to Thon every year. It's got a special place in my heart. Were you there for the 13.7 a couple weeks ago? I was the the highest ever we we raised. So I'm 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 just so proud of the students. Fantastic! It's a, it's amazing. We were talking about that uh, last podcast and just what a men's source of pride and everyone has that's affiliated with Penn State and Thon. And next year we got to get 14 right or 15 and just keep raising that bar. I think. When we were there, Ross, I think it was like around four million, and it's just amazing to to see mm-hmm. that number in the the rearview mirror there. You know, speaking of Penn State as well, I also hear you are a Penn State football fanatic, and we all are. But I think you take it to uh, another degree, certainly compared to to me and Ross. Yeah, so I haven't missed a Penn State football game since I set foot on campus my freshman year in 2008 at home. And I try to travel to as many away games as possible. So I've gone to every single away game since the 2017 season. And both of those exclude the 2020 year with COVID, of course. Sure. But, but I like to think the streak is still alive. I just want to like pause right there because Ross and I have gone to an away game for the past couple of years. And I don't know when I come back from that away game, I am like exhausted on Sunday. And just to think that you are going to every home and away game mm-hmm. for what is that? 12 weeks straight minus yep. one, one bye week in there. I like, I, I don't know how you must have a ton of energy. I tell people that my life in the fall is just Penn State football. So <laughs> my, I, 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 I live, breathe Penn State football. And you're in New York City, so it's not like you're like a 20-minute drive from State College. You've got every home game quite a trip. Are you taking a bus there? Are you flying? Like, how are you even getting there? No, I have a car, so I tend to just drive out either – by myself or, or with some family or friends that, that are also going to the game. What's been the, the best away game that you've been to? Best away game I've been to. Um, outside of bowl games, I would say 
I really enjoyed the Iowa game when we won on the final play. I forgot what year that was. Mm-hmm. But my favorite story about that game and probably my favorite story about any away game is they put me in in like the handicapped seats, which were for some reason in the middle of their student section. <laughs> and it... I, I, I was there with my dad, and there was an older woman who obviously was not happy I was cheering for Penn State football. So when the when it looked like Iowa might win the game and, and like had just scored the go-ahead touchdown, she clapped right in my face. And then the ushers came up and said, we want you to be careful because the students are going to storm the field. And, and we were like, no, they're not. So, <laughs> so we, we won on that last second play. I was so tempted to clap in that older woman's face, but I just killed her with kindness instead of have a great day and walk. Yeah. The there you go. Take the high road. That was Let's to Jawan Johnson, by the way. That's right. right? And that, yeah, yeah. Trace uh, McSorley to Johnson. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's cool, though, because we talked a lot about your international travel, but I guess there's an element of domestic travel that allows you to go around at least most of the part of the East Coast and Midwest and get some of those weekend uh, trips in there. That's, that's certainly a nice supplement to your international travels. Yeah, I get to go places that I would never go otherwise. Right. Like Des Moines, Iowa, or I, I want to say Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I remember I went to some burger place that was like zombie burger themed and it was something that I don't think I would ever experience anywhere else, but it was just one of those things that I stumbled upon and, and I've eaten at a place that has zombie themed burgers. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, I live in New York city. You live in New York city. I was going to say we should get together and watch a Penn state football game in New York, but clearly that's not happening. So well, no, because he's at the game that you're watching, Jared. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, if, if you're ever in Happy Valley, we can go to a game together. There you go. That I will take you up on for sure. Mike, if you can visit with yourself as an 18-year-old, think back to when you first stepped foot on University Park campus, what advice would you share with yourself? So I'd almost not want to share advice with myself because I feel like I might ruin my college experience, and I think that was so amazing but I would say probably just relish every minute of it you're gonna make friends like y'all have for life you're gonna have memories like you're never going to forget and you're just going to embrace state college and university park and Penn State University more than y'all ever imagined and and the community is gonna embrace you right back couldn't agree with you more there Along the advice lines, when you find out someone is considering Penn State, what do you tell them? Why should they go there? The first thing I tell them is something that my high school history teacher told me. And he said that you can always make a big school feel small, but you can never make a small school feel big. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people just immediately discount Penn State or or on or are on the fence about Penn State. So I just like to dispel that right away. But I think in more of a general sense, 
I also just say that whatever you could possibly want, whether it's to study or to do in your free time, Penn State has that, or, or Penn State has the resources for you to do that. And then I also just say, going to Penn State, it really was the best decision I've ever made in my life. They're not going to regret it either. And I think that might work because I was the first Penn Stater in my family. But then since then, I have a younger brother that went to Penn State and two cousins. So I I, I think I've started the Penn State train in the McHugh family. <laughs> there you go. And then, Mike, aside from uh, the obvious with your attendance in all the football games, how else do you feel most connected to the university these days? So I serve on the executive board for the alumni associations on alumni council. And then I'm also the vice president of the New York city chapter of the alumni association. And then I recently just joined the hope gala board as their alumni relations director. And that is the annual event in New York city that Penn Staters have to benefit them. So. I'm still involved, even probably more so than I was at Penn State. Yeah, I would say so. That's a pretty <laughs> impressive list. I'm like, yeah. wait, how involved am I at Penn State? I got to take a look and maybe go back to the drawing board there. That's pr- quite impressive. But this is this has been great. I got to say, I was really excited to hear about your travels and all the cool places that you've been. But I think the key learning is the mentality that you have is fantastic. There's nothing that will stop you or get in your way. And, you know, kudos to you. You're, I think, an inspiration to many people who have similar conditions, but you're an inspiration to, to me. You're an inspiration to Ross. We're extremely proud that you're part of this Penn State family. I'm a very proud Penn Stater and Thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share my story and, of course, share my love of Penn State. Of course. And we always end with, we are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruder production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.